0: Today we're continuing this series. Everyone say blueprints. blueprints. Oh, with a little more attitude. Blueprints. blueprints. And let's just be real here for a minute. Who knows that you need a blueprint when it's time to build something? All right. Okay. Who's ever put together furniture in your home that was in like every piece imaginable? You know. Mm-hmm. Those blueprints are real, real helpful. Um, as I was Thinking about and preparing for today, um, it got me thinking about furniture, and I actually want to walk through what I found online to be called the seven stages of building Ikea furniture, (laughs) because the struggle is so real. And maybe you've never been to Ikea, but you can relate if you've built furniture. Um, And the first step is a false sense of security. (laughs) Online, it looks great. When you walk in Ikea, man, it's awesome. They've even got a food court. You're like, man, I can do this. And then you get it home. And use in the second stage is called shock and disbelief. How do they get all these pieces in one box? There are 17,000 nails and three screws. I'm not a builder, but I know this ain't right. Like, I'm just not seeing the vision here. Um, and so anyway, that moves into the third stage is rationalizing. How will I, it's going to work somehow, right? It'll be OK, the instructions say so. And then the fourth stage real quick comes along, and it's anger. (laughs) Let me just say, in the Mitchell household, when I'm building furniture, and most of the furniture in the living room is uh, stuff I've built, so uh, you might not want to sit on it for too long. Uh, But let me just say, when I got a hammer in my hand, you better get out the way because it's getting rough, okay? Just being honest. And then you move to the fifth stage, which is rebellion. (laughs) I don't care what the instructions say. It's going to work. I'm going to find a way. This is a bookshelf. I'm going to get the shelves to stay. I just don't know how. But the instructions ain't helping me. And then you move once you finish to gratitude. That's the sixth stage. Thank God it's done. I didn't kill anyone. We're here. We've arrived. And the last one is hope uh, because you just hope that it stays together and you don't have to go back to Ikea again. And that's it. But this picture represents pretty well uh, what it looks like for me when I try to build (laughs) furniture. Um... In fact, I built a bookshelf when Morgan and I first got married, and man, I crushed it. I mean, it looked so good until I got to the end and uh, did a final assessment. I had taken all 30 nails and nailed the back of the bookshelf to the front with the finished side. So my, you know, reasoning was, hey, we'll put it in a room no one will ever see. It doesn't matter. It holds books, Right. We're good. So that was the, anyway, that's the struggle. You've probably dealt with it too. But this idea we're talking about today in the book of James is that we all go through trials, right? Like every person at some level has been through a trial. In fact, uh, the title of today is called Finding Purpose in Your Problems. And you might even want to write beside that word problems in parentheses trials, because that's the lingo that we'll use today as we look, excuse me, into the Bible but I just kind of, out of curiosity, want to see if you would say, no matter whether it's small or large, you're, you're going through a trial today. Like, whatever that is, just raise your hand. It's a safe place. It's okay. Okay, so that's most of us. I want you to just, again, you can put your hands back up for one second. I want you to keep your hands raised if you're sitting next to your trial today. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm just Please, please, do yourself a favor and put those hands down, okay? Because that, uh, that lunch conversation is going to get real interesting. Your trial's got to get a whole lot worse, okay? So, just saying, helping you out there. A little wisdom, right? Um, but this idea in the book of James that we see from the author it is so good. And in the, actually, this book has been called the Proverbs of the New Testament because there is so much wisdom for what our lives should look like as followers of Jesus. And so I want to give you a little bit of backstory on who James is before we dive into verse 1. And James, this is not the apostle or the disciple James. This is actually Jesus' brother. And the bible says he had a lot of brothers and sisters we really don't know how many but can you imagine for a second trying to convince your siblings that you were god <laughs> i just imagine james like nah like jesus pretty perfect like he is like he's pretty good but nah nah jesus mm-mm. you ain't god i mean like i try to imagine that doing that with my siblings and that would end very very poorly um i don't know about you but it's actually interesting because James didn't believe in, in who Jesus was as God's son until after he was resurrected from the dead. So he didn't even buy in at first. I think it's a good sign of, that Jesus was who he said he was. Because if you can convince your siblings, I mean, that's like half the battle, right? It's, but seriously, so James writes this book. He becomes the leader of the church in Jerusalem, and he has so much wisdom for us today. And so he starts off in verse 1, and we're just going to dive in. And he gives us some really good insight as a gre- Greek... And then we'll, we'll get to verse 2 in a second. It says, James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. It's like, sup, guys? It's James. And then verse 2, he, does, he says what 99% of us probably in this room, including myself, have a hard time doing, consider it pure, what's that word? Joy. Joy my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, Just, you know, hey, what's up? I'm James. Be joyful. It's like, whoa, okay, calm down there, man. But it's true. Now, here's what I want to make sure I say James is not suggesting you're like, man, thank you, Lord, for the flat tire. Man, I just needed that today. (laughs) No, no. That is not how that conversation with God goes. I'm like, you're going to get me through it, but really, flat tire? Like, seriously. But anyway. But James, what we see throughout this, chap, this first chapter, and I want to make sure I say, because if we continue on beyond where we'll be today, talking about trials, is that he talks about temptations as well. And those kind of go hand in hand when we hear trials and temptations. But I want to make sure I say this. God does not tempt us, all right? We're going to lay that foundation. God does not lead us to sin. He does not put sin in our lives so that we can try to run from it, no, God is, he wants us to follow him closely, but God will let us go through a trial because it will produce and develop something inside of us because he needs us to grow. Because a trial is basically an opportunity for you and for, uh, for me to grow up. And so he, use, he leverages that, and we see this in Proverbs 17.3. It says, the crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the heart. He is willing to put a little fire in our lives under our feet so that he can turn us and refine us into something that's even more pure and amazing than it was before now before you think badly of god like man like that sounds pretty pretty sad like we're gonna go through trials think about this with me for a second where are the parents in the room where you at just raise your hand okay all right so parents you probably practice this a little bit now i'm not a parent yet but i'm taking notes for when i am a parent okay And by the way, I just want to say I have amazing parents. They are awesome. So appreciative of them. But I remember asking a question every Monday through Friday growing up. Do I have to go to school today? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Teenagers in the room, you know. Like, if you can get out of going to school, you probably would, right? Like, just be real. And this was my parents' response because they knew that doing something I needed to do was more important than what I wanted. And so they said, um, no, you're going to put your clothes on. You're going to make your bed. And you're going to brush your teeth because your breath stank, all right? And you're going to go to school. That's just how it was. And through the gloom, the, the doom, the misery, all the despair of going to school, it helped me to grow. And this idea of trials we're going to see today, God is the same way. As a father, he wants for us to grow. And we kind of call trials tests sometimes, and I think that's pretty accurate because a test in school is used to help evaluate how well you know material, Right? It's to see where you're at. Do you need to repeat material? Are you ready to move to the next subject, et cetera? And maybe you're not a good test taker, but in this context, I know I'm not a good test taker, um, but in this context, when we, when we look at, begin to look at trials differently, we see that God is not using them to make our lives miserable. It's to see where we're at and to help us grow into the person that he wants us to become. So everybody, we're on the same page? wanted to set that groundwork before we go any farther because trials are going to happen. And when we begin to see that, and we go to number, point number one today, is we have to recognize, first and foremost, what's really going on. We've got to recognize what is it that's happening in our lives. And I can't overemphasize how important this is because I think one of the greatest travesties or just sad things that happen from a test when we miss what we were supposed to learn, right? And so, and oftentimes it's because we're so focused on the negative part, the bad thing that's happening, that we kind of get distracted from the purpose of what's happening. And so God wants us to, to remain focused on what's really going on to see that there's more to this than just the pain. It's about growth. Because let's be real, behind every financial issue going on, behind that mean and nosy neighbor that's all up in your business, you know, that neighbor exists. I'm just saying, like, everybody's got that neighbor, okay? Maybe it's a family or a friend, uh, a family member or a friend who just gets under your skin. Or, in my case, your cat that wakes you up at 5 a.m. drooling on your face. I mean, you know what? There's probably something to be learned. Maybe it's patience, I don't know. But God wants to use even the smallest things in our lives to teach us something big. And we're going to pick up uh, back in chapter 1 of James in verses 2. We'll read that again in 3. Because it gives us some important insight into what God is trying to develop. And it says this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces, what's that next word? Perseverance. perseverance. I want you to circle or underline that phrase, produces perseverance. So important. Another word would be develops, Perseverance. The idea that God has for our lives is perseverance, another way to think of it, is a patient endurance. It's being willing to stay in something because we know that there is better on the other side. It's to develop something inside of us to learn to respond by waiting. And I'll be honest, I don't like to wait, all right? That's why I go to Chick-fil-A, because my service is fast, all right? I want it done, right? But that's, God wants us to develop this idea of perseverance to patiently wait through something. But here's the hard truth. The very school of character that God wants to develop inside of us is often what we're begging him to take away from us, right? Like, I'll be honest, I don't want to go through a trial. If I can have a a happy time, I want that over something painful. But let me tell you something. The best place to to practice the school of character is in your family. Mm Mm-hmm. Kind of good to get amen on that, right? All right, going back to the parents for a minute ago, because the goal of parenthood, right, is to raise children that will grow up, get a job, and pay their own bills. Somebody better amen that. Mm-hmm. I'm learning that now. Like, I did not have kids, but I know. Mm-hmm. That day will come. Time to go. But what I'm saying is, <laughs> that's it's, it's to help them grow up. It's this idea of you might not always want this, but this is what you need. It's time to grow. But here's the thing. If you can practice and and just master the art of perseverance in your home, I mean, like, you're not yelling and screaming all the time. You're not kicking the dog. Like, man, you're doing good. Like, you should give yourself a pat on the back. It's going to be all right. You can make it. Because God wants us to persevere and work through the process. And that brings me to point number two on your program. The next step for us is to cooperate with God's growth process. The truth of the matter is whether you like it or not whether you want to or not the trial will happen but it's whether or not you can are willing to cooperate with what god's trying to do and let me say this we go through trials because god is a good father he is not our heavenly santa claus raining down gifts from above all the time right not like ho 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 no like that's not how it works he's a good father he knows what we need we see in james one and four again, this idea of this word, it says, let perseverance finish its work. Maybe underline or circle that phrase. We'll come back to that in a second. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. God wants to develop you into the full final product. In fact, he wants more than anything to let you trust the process because then that's when the work is finished. And so, some I know people all the time are like, "Man, Tim, I want that big money. I want that big car, like the red Ferrari, like anybody else." Like I'm just saying, like if a Ferrari just showed up in your driveway with the title your name on it, you drive it, right? Like, and I'm just saying, I'll settle for a Challenger, okay? Like I'm willing to tone it down a few steps, like that. You know, I'm meeting halfway there. I'm kidding, of course. But anyway, my, my point being. We ask God for these big things, but we are often not willing to go through the the trial to receive the blessing. And so it's like, hey, you want to make the big money? Well, guess what doctors have to go to? Med school, right? That's a lot more tests than you normally have to take. And let's be real. You want the surgeon who paid attention in class, right? (laughs) Like the guy who passed his tests. Just saying, like, I don't want the guy who failed. Like, that's that's a recipe for disaster. I'm just saying. But God wants to develop in us. and If we want to see these blessings, and God does want to enrich your lives, he does want to bless you. I don't want to make it sound like he's, like he's just harsh. He is a good father, but he knows that with blessing, there must come a trial. It's this process of helping us grow and to develop into the person that he wants us to be. In fact, this idea of suffering God talks about in the Bible because he knows that it's part of the process. Romans 5, 3 through 4 says this, and it's so important, and I could I'll sum it up in just a second. It says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces, there it is again, perseverance, and perseverance produces character and character hope. This might be A game changer for some of you. I know it was for me. God is more interested in your character than He is your comfort. He is more interested in your holiness than He is your happiness. He knows what you need because He is the good Father. And I want to pause here before we move on to 1 Peter to look again just to a verse that talks about that because character, that word, it is so important. Because there will be a time when, as God develops you, sometimes your character is the only thing you have. When nothing else remains, your character might be the only thing that gets you through to tomorrow. Because if people can trust you and depend on you, it, it, they know who, what kind of person you are. But I know people with all the talent in the world. They are incredibly gifted in music or business or whatever it is, but they have zero character and nobody wants to hire them. Nobody wants to be around them. Because the person they are Monday is probably not the person they're going to be Tuesday. And God wants to develop consistent people of character that can go then and share his message of hope with others. That's part of the process. And we're going to talk about hope in just a second, but let's take a look at 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 6-7. through 7. It says in all of this, talking about the idea of suffering, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that, uh, that the proven genuineness of your faith, and check this out, it's of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. I have found that in the darkest moments of my life, they have produced the greatest movements of faith in me. I don't know if that's true for you, but the past year we talked about trials earlier the past year has been tough Um, if you were here during the summer i talked a little bit about this in our summer series but about a year ago i found a need to go to counseling now i didn't have a bad opinion of counseling up until that point i just didn't think i needed it i thought i had my problems in check i didn't (laughs) i'm just being real and so as i went for one thing it's kind of like an onion you just keep peeling that thing back and it's just layer after layer right all kinds of stuff you find out about yourself. And as I went through this process and I found some healing from things in my life, I, this past year, if I'm being honest, I have felt just absolutely depressed. I mean, just does the work I matter do, does it matter? Like, am I, am I qualified to do ministry? Can God really use someone that's as messed up as me? And I'm, I'm being as transparent as I can because every day as much as i love this church i felt like i just needed to to hang my hat and be done because i didn't feel like god could use me and so what's begun to begin to to happen inside my life and i want you to know that this is the case for you is that as god began to work through this person to, to help me find healing through him that i'm finding some answers to my questions that the god who made you intentionally is the same God who can, who can break through the anxiety in your life. He can break through the depression, through the worries, the stresses, through anything that you're facing. God is ultimately giving you a sign. He will that he's there, and there's a better future and tomorrow waiting for you. He wants that for every single person. The trial doesn't always feel that way. It feels overwhelming. But we have a good father who leads us through the process, takes our hand, and says, you're going to make it. You're going to get there, and so. But the challenge is cooperating with the process. It's that idea that character trumps comfort. And today, if you want to begin this journey, this process with God, on your connection card, there's a next step, and it simply says, "I'm praying the prayer to become a Christ follower." Now, inside your program, there's a a, a prayer that we've actually written to help you say those words if you want to take that step, and I encourage you. Look. This life is not always going to be easy, but God makes it worth it. Every single day it is worth it because of a father that develops and grows us into the person he wants us to be. And today, if that's you, I encourage you check that box because we want to do this, this life together with you. And look, it's just basically saying, God, I give you my life. Can I tell you as a pastor, I don't even always know what that means god every day is working and helping me see what that means but if you if you tell him today you want to take that step he will not leave you he will always be with you so i encourage you please check that box today if that's you but today we're as we continue we see the third point feels kind of like an obvious thing to say but it but we'll see it's kind of tricky and it's number three ask for god's help because i don't know about you but I find that it is so easy to look to everything else the world has to offer above going to God. Right? I mean, like, whatever that thing, that person, that place is, for me, like, right now, just being real, man, Netflix. Whew. Man, I, the, the Flash is my jam, okay? It is so good. Barry Allen is the man, all right? I love the Flash. But I can spend hours watching the show because I don't want to think about life. And that's not what God wants for us. He, yeah, I'm not saying The Flash is bad. Man, that show's great. But there's a place and a time. And we have to deal with, with the fact that life happens and God wants us to grow. And so James, knowing this was going to be an issue for Christians, is like, hey, i got some advice. And it's like, whoa, James, what is that? And he goes, how about you ask God for help? It's like, oh, right. Duh. That's it. And so he even says, like, you're wondering, like, okay, well, obviously, here, James even says, what it is we should ask? It says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, circle that word wisdom. We'll come back to that that in just a second. You should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given you. And really, wisdom is just applying experience. Because if... (laughs) There's a funny story I heard about this once. Um, this, this guy wanted to be really successful, so he went and asked this um, more successful businessman, like, how did you continue in this journey? How did you become so successful? And he said, man, that's two words, it's good decisions. Like, Man, that's really wise. Well, how did you make good decisions? He said, man, that's one word, experience. Man, that, wow, that's good. Well, how did you get experience? Man, that's two words, bad decisions. <laughs> But it's so true, right? We have to go through this process sometimes and we have to learn what it is that God wants for us. But the best wisdom is when you learn from other people and apply it so you don't have to go through the trial. God wants, and and here's the thing, it's gonna be okay even if you have to go through the trial. God just wants what's best for you, even when it's not what we want for ourselves. And often I know I find myself praying something along the lines of, hey God, can you deliver me from this? But what he wants us to know is, hey, stop praying that prayer. Here's what I want you to get. And we've actually got these these questions coming on the screen behind me. You might want to take a picture of these so that you can begin to pray these in your quiet time. Or just even when you're riding to work, ask God, what are you trying to teach me? What is it that you want me to learn? Because it's something. He wants you to get it. In fact, you actually have a, a pretty cool opportunity to determine the length of your trial by how quickly you ask these questions. Because just like a test in school, when you complete the course material, you move on to the next subject. When we begin to ask God what this means for our lives, it changes and shifts us into a new area, a new blessing, a new opportunity to see who he is. And so I just encourage you, because here's what I found for me. Man, when I ask these questions, I don't know how it's gonna happen, but I believe God's gonna get me through it, right? It develops this faith, this perseverance that it's going to be okay. I mean, it's like, I'm ready to go bear hunting with a switch. Like, let's go. I don't even know what that means. But, like, I believe God can do it. We can do it, right? Let's go. Let's get it done. I don't. That made no sense. But um, anyway. Now, I forgot to mention this earlier. I was thinking about blueprints, and I, you know, wanted to think of something memorable for you. Anybody been dying to know what's underneath this? Okay, a few. Yes. Yes, everyone else is like, oh, right, there was something on that table. I know that's, I actually almost forgot about it. Here, so you guys ready for the big, like, the reveal? Boom. Legos. Where are my Lego fans at? That's it. And let's just be honest, man, you ever stepped on one of these? That is a trial in and of itself. (laughs) Oh These things are made of, like, steel. I don't know. They say plastic. I don't buy it. But anyway... I bought this kit a while back because I love tinkering with Legos. Now, I have zero imagination, okay? Like, I, you can see here, I began to build a rectangle house. How original. But anyway, you know, I'm trying to build my little home, and I'm adding these bricks, and uh, I've even got, you know, here's, oh, let's see, we got something here good. Oh, here it is. Here's my dog, Fido. Woof! Right? Like, yeah, it's awesome. So, I feel like at times, yeah, I know imagination. Ooh. I feel at times like life is like not a box of chocolates, but Legos. And we see all the pieces, and we look and go, man, I, I really could, could build something awesome, but without a blueprint, I don't know where to go. And so it feels like we're shaking up the box and just hoping and praying that something happens. But here's what I want you to know today and be encouraged. That God is going to take this now. Bear with me here. I got to walk over here and grab my uh, handy-dandy next prop here. All right. Oh no, I think I broke it. Oh no, we've got we got a we got a person down. We've got the Millennium Falcon. Now this is Legos. All right. 1,329 pieces on this bad boy right here. All right, and this is from the new Force Awakens movie. We even got BB-8 on the top here. And where are the Star Wars fans at? Where are you at? Come on that's right. If you didn't raise your hand, we'll pray for you. (laughs) The force will be strong with you one day. We believe it. So, but anyway, my point is the reason I want to show you this today. I built this, and please don't ask me how much it cost because I really don't want to answer that question. Um, Yeah, don't tell Morgan either. Um, That's my wife, by the way, if you're wondering. Um, This right here is an example of what happens when we follow the instructions. When we let the blueprint that God gives us We can begin to see how the pieces take shape. And I think this is probably the best point I can say today. God wants you to become a Millennium Falcon. (laughs) Just saying. You can take that to the bank, all right? Tell your friends, I'm a Millennium Falcon. That's right. Not a Millennium Eagle, the Falcon with Han Solo. And I mean, because let's be real, we all want to have a little more Chewbacca in our lives, right? Just, Just saying. But I hope that this is helpful as a reminder because God wants to develop you into a masterpiece. He wants you to be the finished product. But if you don't follow the blueprint, you'll never get there. So trust Him today. In fact, there's a next step on the back of your connection card and it just simply says, I will ask God for help in my trial. Look, I don't know what that's gonna mean for you, but it means that you're gonna develop this. You're gonna develop your life into something that is amazing that can fire lasers at the problems of life. I'm just saying, this is, I love the Millennium Falcon. I love Star Wars, it's awesome. I'm sorry, I'm I'm a little nerdy moment there, but um, God does want to develop you. He wants you to grow. And that leads me to point number four today. And I think this is obviously important. We're talking about it, but if you don't get this, steps one through three kind of get lost in translation. And it's number four is keep a good attitude. And so we're going to see in James chapter one, verses six through seven, this is really, really important. It says, "But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind, that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord." Now that sounds harsh, but here's what I want you to get. I want you to go back to that word "believe." You may want to circle it, you may want to mark it, or however you want to do that. I think this word believe, it's it's a parallel for for faith. And I think a good interchangeable word for faith is attitude. Because I think faith is really the can-do. Like, I don't know how it's going to work, God, but I believe you're going to get me there. It's a perspective. It's a change of the way we see life. And that's exactly what God wants us to do. He wants us to have faith, to have a good attitude that what he's planning and prepping us for will get us to be the finished product even when it doesn't feel like it. But I want to read this last verse here, James 1.12. This is kind of the culmination of this process of trials. And it says this, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. I want to say something that I cannot prove to be true, but I really believe. I think that, okay pastors, leaders, you know, know—we're gonna people on the impact team, when you serve, you're making a difference for the kingdom, and God is going to recognize that. But I think this crown of life goes to the people who quietly, patiently, diligently believed that God was going to get them through the trial without complaining, without questioning. They trusted the process and kept a good attitude. There's a lady that, I had the privilege of knowing when I was working in West Point and I got to, um, I was the pastor for her teenage son and they're just an amazing family but let me tell you this lady I mean her life was just a series of trials on trials she I mean she just amazes me she raised two kids basically by herself she worked a job that was not desirable to make a very little bit of money to provide for her family and all through that process she was taking care of her parents who were dying and even there there was a third person that she took care of in the process that was just someone she she cared about and had been invested in her she was always on the move but you know what I never heard from her? complaining she would occasionally you know she would ask people hey would you pray for me in this situation but it was never out of desperation it was because she believed that God could do what she was asking and I remember one time asking her I mean, like, life was just tough. I and said, I said, look, I mean, like, tell me, how? What, what gets you through? And she said, look, life is tough, but God is better. I mean, like, maybe you want to write that down because, like, that's not words, that's not, like, Tim advice. That's God advice right there. Life is tough, but God is better. And I'll never forget the day I walked into the funeral for her father. And all of the family, of course, they're mourning. They are just absolutely broken. He meant so much to their family for so many years. I remember walking in there, and I feel like the right thing to say would have maybe been, you know, I'm so sorry for your loss. We're praying for you. How can I be of service to your family? I didn't say any of those things. I probably said something that was a little insensitive, to be honest. But I felt compelled to ask this question in the moment. I looked her in the eyes and I said, how do you do it? Like, I'm just, I'm just amazed by your life. Like, how do you do it? And she said with tears in her eyes, and I can just still remember that moment, like I, I'm there right now. She said, I don't know how I'm gonna make it to tomorrow, but I know God's gonna get me there. The same God who made you, the same God who wants to bless you Is the same God who wants to develop you into the person, the finished product that He has always desired for you to be. He wants to complete a work in you that will change the lives of everyone around you because your character is more important than your comfort. But we have to trust. So let's take advice from this woman. I wish I could say I was at that stage of faith, I'm not. But let's take advice. Life is tough, but God is better. So my question for you today is will you trust Him? Will you begin to let God work in your life and change you from the inside out? Church, can we begin to trust God like never before? I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means for your life. But here's what I do know we can do right now in this moment. I'm gonna pray and we're gonna sing this song and I want you to give everything inside of you, every single breath that comes into your lungs, let it be a praise and an honor for our Father who wants to change your life. Can we do that, church? Can we give glory to our God who is so good? So let's pray and then we are just gonna worship. God, I thank you for every person who is here today. They are not here by mistake. They are here with divine purpose. I believe that the best days of their life are ahead, but God, help them to see the purpose that is in their problem. Help them to believe and trust that their character will be developed and give them hope that they can go to you every time believing and trusting God that you are good, that you are developing inside of them something. Help us as a church to rally together to support and encourage each other, but God, to give you the praise and glory that you have always deserved. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. We said it, church, amen. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message.